0: Trust that you are well this evening. Uh, If you have your copy of God's Word there in front of you, invite you to go to the book of Colossians again tonight. Colossians chapter 4, as we consider uh, Christ centered prayer. Uh, If you don't have a copy of God's Word, there should be a Bible there in front of you. Uh, This is your first time in a church, or uh, you don't regularly read from the Bible. We want people to be able to follow along with us as we preach through His Word. So uh, the should be able to find the passage on page eight hundred and nineteen this evening, and the big numbers are the chapters, and the small numbers are the verses. Um, just want to make sure that everyone has the opportunity to follow along with us in God's Word. Uh, by way of kind of continuing our announcements, um, I meant to mention that in uh, the with the Crave Banquet, the superlative awards are. Um, available for you to vote on Realm or um, on the Crossway Grave Hangouts page. There's a survey there where you can fill out and tell us who you think's most likely to be uh, lost during an event, who's going to uh, most likely in this group to drop their phone in a toilet, um, Is one of the <laughs> ones that the small group leaders suggested as a new superlative. There are a few new ones that you might notice. For those of you who've been around for more than a year or two, there's that, and um, someone suggested, I'm not going to point out their name, Stacy Johansson suggested, um, we didn't include this one, but most likely to catch a building on fire. We just, again, not going to try and encourage people to even think about setting the building on fire. Rick Van Hooser vetoed that as a superlative award. So, um, something about insurance. So, Colossians chapter 4 tonight, uh, we're going to Get ready to transition to a more serious time thinking through God's word. So if you're there, if you would stand with me as we pay honor to the reading of God's word. Christ-centered prayer. What does that look like? How does it work its way out? Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. This is the word of the Lord. Continue earnestly in prayer being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us, that God would open to us a door for the word, to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. This is the reading of God's word, and we should... Praise Him and thank Him for preserving it so that we can enjoy it together. Let's pray together this evening. Father, we come before You tonight blown away by the fact that we even get to do this. We think of Clay praying for unreached, unengaged people groups all over our globe tonight. People have never heard Your name, uh, don't know anything about You other than they sense that there's a God-shaped size hole in their heart that only you can fill, they, but they don't know the one that can fill it. So we pray that you would raise up from amongst us uh, people who'd be willing to go to the far reaches of this world to preach and proclaim and teach and admonish and call people to repentance and faith in you alone for the forgiveness of their sins. Father, we're not also unaware tonight that we're not the only people who are in Springfield. We're not the only people who... Uh, know the gospel and are proclaiming the gospel think of our friends at second baptist and we pray that you would watch over uh, their congregation as they seek to find a new pastor uh, to shepherd them thank you for the faithful tenure of dr john marshall there and his witness of faithfully proclaiming your word and we just ask that you would rise and, and bring forward another man uh, that can herald and proclaim your word, that would get out of the way of who he is, much like I want to do tonight, and preach and proclaim your word. Also think of our friends at Park Crest Baptist Church and uh, the different staff members there, Phil Housley, Blake Housley, Paul Ebert and their college ministry there. We ask that you would make their ministry abound and grow, that they would be able to reach people that we would never be able to reach because of their influence and uh, what you have in store for them. And Father, as we turn our attention to your word tonight to be challenged and think about how we pray and even how we would talk to you and what we would talk to you about and what should rise to the top of our priority list. I pray that you would ignite in us a desire, a zeal, a passion for prayer that we've never seen in our college ministry before, that we might be able to see a revival start first here, bleed into our church see it bleed into our city, we would have a prophetic edge about us as we engage our campuses. And you might do mighty works through us, not for our fame, but for your glory. We ask these things in your son's name. Amen. One of the things that I absolutely love about college students is your passion things. I know that at times it may seem like I'm uh, coming down on you for your enjoyment of certain things. It's only as a result of trying to keep things in balance, but it is rather entertaining and I enjoy watching and hearing and seeing and participating in the things that you're passionate about. Um, Some of you will literally argue with each other about movies that have yet to even be thought up or come to the mind of creators and argue about who should play what roles in those movies that don't even hypothetically exist yet. And that, to me, is just entertaining um, because I've never understood how you could be that worked up about something that, for one, already doesn't exist and even when it comes to fruition, still isn't reality. So the passion that exists there. I've always been intrigued by the passion of the people who go to Comic-Con. I don't understand it, but I respect it. If you're willing to dress up as a Wookiee and to train your voice to be able to do things like Chewbacca and travel to places far from here to celebrate your love of all things uh, Star Wars and, and, and your love of the, the Wookiee people, um, man, like, I don't, I think you're nuts, but I respect your passion level. And you say, why do you respect your passion level? Because I watch year in and year out in the, in the areas where I'm passionate about uh, grown men lose their ever cotton picking minds over 18 year olds throwing around a leather ball filled with air. Um, so, it, like, the passion level that exists. Um, those of you, like right now, baseball is back in full swing, God's sport. Um, and he is blessing and letting us enjoy that time, uh, eating peanuts and Cracker Jacks. Like, that's, that's something that I'm passionate about. I don't even really, like, this is the level to which I'm passionate about baseball. Like, I just enjoy it so much I'm willing to listen to it or watch it. I don't even care who's playing. Yesterday evening. Um, as we were, wait, I was waiting for us to start grow. I was in my office working on some things, and I listened to a game between the Syracuse Mets and um, the Pawtucket uh, Hens. I can't even remember their name. It's a triple A team in the Northeast. No one even here cares about them, and it's apparent because nobody's like, "Woohoo!" hoo like, But, hey, Tim Tebow could play for the Syracuse Mets, so, yeah, go Christians. I don't know. That's just weird. Anyway... There's a passion level that exists, and some of you find a newfound passion. You have newfound passions like you didn't know that you were into them until you started dating the person that you're currently dating, and now you're into uh, all things HGTV, or um, you're trying to fake that you understand what's going on during a Chiefs game. Like, so we understand that there's newfound passion levels, and that doesn't always mean that the girl is finding <laughs> out more about football. Sometimes that happens to the guys that love HGTV, go figure. But I have a newfound passion, a new thing that um, is consuming my time uh, to get out in the great outdoors and go fishing. And it's, I don't understand like it at all, but I'm trying to get better at it. And I say all those things to really to get to this point. We are passionate about certain things because we enjoy them. And I think there should be a correlation between Christians and some of the things that they're passionate about, too. Like, you should be passionate about the things that you enjoy. But if you follow Christ, you should be passionate about the things that he's passionate about. You should be passionate about uh, his word because it's written by him, about him, for us to grow in our walk with him. You should be passionate about being involved in a local church because in Ephesians 5, he tells us that he died for the church. He gave his life for the church. That's the, the model that a husband is supposed to follow in loving and caring for his wife is the same love and affection that Christ had for the church. So you, sometimes you'll run into Christians who are like, I really love Jesus, but I don't love the church. And it's I, I want to say this to all the love and kindness in the world. You love Jesus, but you don't love the thing that he loves. And I think one of the areas where Christians tend to talk a lot about being passionate in and it never translates into actual effective passion is the area of prayer we talk a lot about like you need to pray you need to read your bible you need to go to church like we even just did a conference on that we were so like pumped up about it we did a spiritual disciplines conference and we talked about bible reading and prayer and going to church and we come tonight to this particular text, and the Apostle Paul is going to give us what Christians should be thinking about when it comes to prayer. And so my, my objective tonight, and I think the text agrees with this objective, is not to beat you up about how little you pray. But my objective tonight is to point you to God's word and say, this is God's expectation for what it looks like to be Christ-centered in your prayer. And the more that you pray this way, I think it's like pouring gas on a fire. It just is going to like, cause that to burn deeper and hotter in your own soul. Not because you're praying more, but because you're praying a certain way for certain things. And I think that when we pray the way that God wants us to pray and about the things that God wants us to pray about, it makes it easier for us to pray. So you could say it this way: You could say tonight, I'm just trying to help kickstart your prayer life again. Some of you, you're like, "Ma'am, you don't, David, you don't know, Mike. I, I prayed for three hours before I came here. Like, I'm killing it in the prayer game." Okay, well, I, let me just, I'll just take a little bit of gas and pour it on that fire. Some of you are like, "Like, I haven't prayed in three weeks, and I want, I don't want to like beat you up about it. I wanted, I want to encourage you. Think about what you're." praying for. And I, I want to give us tonight three words that I think can help guide us as we think about prayer, uh, as we think about what it means to be Christ-centered in our prayer. And, and the first one is this, is consistency. Paul says this, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving." So he says this. There we go. He says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant with thanksgiving. It's this continuing idea. So this isn't a, a startup. This isn't a you need to pray more. This isn't what well, you haven't been praying. This is an expectation that you would be continuing in what you're already doing. Now, we know that it's easy to talk about prayer. It's easy to pray about prayer. It's easy to tell people you need to pray, but it's hard to actually do it. And I'll just confess, it's hard for me to do it. I, I think a lot of times, man, I need to pray more. But I think a lot of times it's not just praying more, it's just being regu- a, regular pray, a, a regular prayer warrior is what needs to happen. I need to be in the regular habit of praying, but I, I, I'm never going to pray more than what I am right now. And and I think a lot of us are thinking I have, you know, I'm just like I'm terrible at this. Instead of trying to pray for three hours a day, like Johnny Super Christian, and being discouraged by that, why aren't you just setting out a regular time and setting that aside and saying, okay, I can't pray for three hours because my mind races everywhere. I'm going to pray for 10 minutes and we're blocking and and segmenting off different times throughout the day to think about it. And he says, continue earnestly in prayer. So it's a high level of engagement. It's a high intensity level. It's a level of intensity that honestly is missing in a lot of Christians lives when it comes to prayer. And we could say it this way. It's a lot of, um, it's a lot of just, we're just not very committed to following Jesus. I'm just being honest tonight. Like, we'll, we'll pray when it's convenient, just like we'll read our Bible when it's convenient, just like we'll come to church when it's convenient. We'll be involved in sharing the gospel when it's convenient. And that's not the idea that's carried here in this particular text, specifically about prayer. And I think if we honestly don't, desire to talk to God. I don't think that we're going to desire to talk to other people about him. We wonder why our evangelism efforts are down. We wonder why our Bible reading's down. It's not because we are spending too much time praying. It's because we've never prayed and so we're not ready to go. There's an intensity level that comes with being sold out to prayer that when it's carried over into other areas it brings with it a natural level of intensity. Like I can't read my Bible because I'm not Why would I want to, again, why would I want to read something written by someone I don't want to talk to? I'm just going to be real honest with you. In the world of theological education, if there's someone that I disagree with or I don't like because they're arrogant or a jerk or whatever comes along in the world of publishing books, I'm not going to read their book. And what I think happens sometimes is the reason why our other spiritual disciplines are failing is because we aren't in regular communication with the one who's given us those other avenues. So we're not really passionate about showing up and worshiping Jesus because we haven't talked to him. He says, continue earnestly in it. He says, being vigilant, staying awake. Now, anybody who's prayed, Vigilant and staying awake is already a large task, but that's not what Paul's talking about. He's not saying you guys are falling asleep while you're praying, stay awake, like uh, drink a Red Bull or drink a Monster Bang or whatever to stay awake so you're ready to go. Um, He's not carrying that idea, though. I don't think that that would necessarily be a bad thing unless you're one of those people like you take three drinks of it and like you're wired. You're like the coffee drinker who's like, I've had half a cup and I've written like 18 pages in my journal. Because I'm just wired for sound now that might be helpful or less helpful depending on who you are but that's not what Paul's talking about he's saying there's an intensity level to which we're praying that it's not just only during these particular times but it's when a situation arises that we immediately jump into prayer we share the gospel with someone on our campus and and they don't respond the way that we Want them to. And rather than in the moment while they're walking away feeling discouraged or disappointed or frustrated or angry with them, what would it look like if we were so vigilant in our prayer that we immediately just stopped and prayed that the Holy Spirit would awaken their hearts to the truth that they had just received? Last night we went, and I was convicted about this today as I was thinking about this very idea. Last night we went to Missouri State and um, we, we do mass distribution, try and invite people to come and be a part of our college ministry. And uh, we, we handed people in less than, a, right around an hour, maybe a little less than an hour, 125 New Testaments with our invite cards and those inserts from Operation Invitation. But I was convicted, I was thinking about this, how many times did I just hand someone or drop off a New Testament with them And then I'm just immediately looking for the next person rather than asking, God, we've just put something that can change their lives in their hands. And I'm asking that you, through the power of your Holy Spirit, would help that person read that word and come to saving faith. But again, that's being vigilant. It's looking and and watching and, and looking for the opportunities that we might have and we do it with a certain attitude. He says, with thanksgiving. Because like this is an attitude of gratitude that is driving us and in, in, into why we're praying and, and why we're considering and why we're doing what we're doing is because we're thankful that the, the same God who brought us from darkness to life would do that with the people that we're trying to see come to know Him. I think a lot of times... times of us trying to do stuff and then praying, instead of praying and then doing stuff. I was reminded of a quote by Bunyan, a great Baptist puritan who said, you can do more than pray after you have prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you have prayed. We wonder, man, we we just don't seem to have any power. We don't have any power Holy Ghost, convictional power, we want that prophetic edge to be able to, like, in the middle of our bio class, when the the, the professor starts to push against the idea of a creator, we all want to be the person who's, like, stand up and is, like, does the movie thing and, like, God's not dead and, like, let everybody have it and just, what's up, everybody comes to know Christ and people are, like, weeping and they're, like, I just got saved in bio one because this guy just got up and just... He rebuked the professor. He said, "In Jesus' name, be free." We laugh, but we do, we do want some level of that prophetic edge. But it, we we wonder why we don't have it. It's because we're not tapped into the power. It, it, it's like the person who. It, it's like the person who tries to 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 use the vacuum cleaner figure out why it's not working and they take the whole thing apart and put it back together and they're just so flustered and then they realize it's not plugged in so that's why it's not going to work. We'll take apart ministries. We'll even kill some of them. It's just not reaching people. We're not seeing fruit from it why we're not seeing fruit from it is not because it's a bad ministry. Maybe it's because we're tapped into our power and not God's. And that's my fear for our college ministry. We've got teams and we're going to bring more people. We're going to let them do more stuff. And we're going to try and enlarge our witness and see campuses transformed. And we're going to put small group leaders and adult leaders. And we're going to bring people to know Jesus. All through our own power. Friend, we can't do that, and I can't do it, and I need this message this week just as much as anyone sitting in here. That outside of the supernatural working of the Holy Spirit, we will not see anything accomplished for God's glory because we're doing it for us and not for him. We're doing it in our own strength. But you can't start until you're actually doing it. So we have to be people who are consistently praying. If I were to ask you tonight, right, scale of 1 to 10 with 1 being your terrible and 10 being your, like, Billy Graham's baby, like, um, which I guess would be just Franklin Graham, but um, <laughs> where would you rank the consistency of your prayer life? What needs to change tonight in the area of your, just your consistency? Maybe you need to block off a time. Maybe you need to bring a friend in to say, hey, text me and see you. If I've prayed today and not a guilt trip prayer, but just checking in and we're mutually helping each other this way. What needs to change for your prayer life to be more consistent? Second word that I think is really helpful for us to think through a Christ centered prayer is the word opportunities. Verse three, meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains. The Apostle Paul prays for more opportunities to share Christ. I don't want to be unkind or rude here, but notice the Apostle Paul doesn't ask them to pray for his well-being. He doesn't ask for him to pray for a sick relative or Timothy's cat that has to have gallbladder surgery. even ask for them to pray that he would be released from prison. If I was in this situation, and if you were in this situation in a first century jail, which is basically equivalent of digging the side out of a hill and throwing you in the ground, I don't know that there are many of us who wouldn't include on our prayer list to the people groups who are supporting us in our mission endeavors, please pray for our for more opportunities to proclaim Christ. Which is radical for the way that we even think about our own personal prayer life. Just think, and I don't want to answer this question, so I'm not going to ask you to answer it aloud either or either. In the past week, how much time have you spent asking God for him to give you opportunities proclaim the gospel. And furthermore, how much time have you spent praying for the people in your small group that they might have those same opportunities? Again, it's a refocusing of our prayer life away from the personal felt needs of I've got a really big test coming up, which I understand. I understand the pressure of that. And I don't want to diminish that tonight, but I also want to remind you as I often will that one day you will give an account for your life and I can assure you of this, that whatever test is currently coming at you will not be asked about on judgment day. And to the shame of our parents and those who have overvalued education, far too often we'll be more ready to give an account for that than we will be for what we've done in proclaiming the myself included. And so this um, really burdened me. And in my personal Bible reading this week, I came across a passage of scripture that is going to serve as what I'm hoping we will, and we've named it. So it's too late now we've are, we're, we're in. I want to challenge you with this. I normally give you direct application to try and ask you questions. But I want to lay before you what we're going to call the 433 challenge we're asking you to do is at some point today, hopefully tonight even, that you would set your alarm clock for 4.33. Now, I'm going to be real honest with you, the expectation is not that you would do it for 4.33 a.m., because most of you, the only time you see 4.33 a.m. is if you stayed up through the night playing video games or watching Netflix. So, 4.33 in the afternoon, or if you're the person who, like, you work at FedEx, and I know those guys, those brothers work weird hours, you might be up at 4.33 in the morning. But from 4.33 to 4.38 every day, I'm challenging our college ministry, starting with the pastor, me, myself, to start here, 4.33 to 4.38. John chapter 4, beginning in verse 33, if you flipped over there, if not, you can listen to me read it. Therefore the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? Which I think is just the reason why we're starting here is because the disciples, just like us, are constantly consumed with the wrong thing. The disciples here are worried that Jesus has some actual food. So starting in John 4:33, we need to be reminded that just like the disciples, our focus and our attitude can be on the wrong thing. Verse 34: Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reap may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you out to reap for that which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. So the challenge before us as a college ministry is every day from 433 to 438 to pray five minutes that the Lord might give us opportunities to reach people and to sow the seed of the gospel. Because what the key to this whole passage is, is actually not the fields are white to harvest, which is where a lot of people will belabor that point. But it's actually in verse 38. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. In other words, sometimes we're going to bear and pick the fruit that we have spent zero time laboring for because of God's goodness and his graciousness towards us. And perhaps someone might be able to reap the harvest that we've labored for that we never get to see the result of. Which begs the question, This cannot be about us. This can't be about Crave College Ministry being the biggest college ministry in the city. This can't be about us and our fame and our glory. Because if it is, then this is what we'll be and forever that will be it. But if we will get out of the way of it being about somebody getting recognition for being the greatest or the most spiritual. Remember, this is what got the disciples into so much trouble with Jesus. They would argue about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And then Jesus would walk up and they would like, shh, shh, he's here. And just another good reminder that they didn't get that he's God. He knows what you were talking about. This can't be who's going to be the greatest in Springfield or the greatest on Missouri State's campus or OTC or SBU or BBC or who's going to be the greatest at whatever. It has to be about the fact that we're praying that God would give us opportunities to see people come to know Christ because their greatest need is not to become a part of our college ministry. I just want to remind us of this often. God, I'm grateful for you. I love you. I'm thankful to be your pastor, and I want to continue to do that as long as the Lord will allow me to and is keeping us here for. But people's greatest need is not to become a part of our ministry so that our ministry can become great. People's greatest need is for Jesus Christ. Because apart from him, they will spend eternity separated in a real and literal hell. Because their greatest need is to come to a knowledge of the fact that they are sinners just like us who needs God's grace, mercy, and love in their life to redeem them from their sins so they can be set apart from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And if we lose that, then there's no reason for us to assume that God would bless us. So it's changing the way we think and what we pray about, begging God to give us opportunities to proclaim the gospel. Time are you honestly spending? I, I, I hated this text this week. Not because I hate God and not because I hate Paul and not because I hated it because I was convicted. I hated it because it was stirring me up to realize that despite all my efforts to be a good pastor, I'm trying a lot of times to do it in my own strength. Even opportunities to share the gospel. detrimental to what we're trying to accomplish. I was convicted because there isn't much time that I spend praying for others to have opportunities to share the gospel. It's kind of reframing. I've I've really struggled. I I, I wanted to be the pastor who's texting everybody all the time to, how can I pray for you? I'm thinking of you. I love you, which I do. I think of you a lot. I read through our roll sheets on a regular basis and and try to remember to pray. I'm just not good at it because I'm not committed to it as much as I should be. And this text got all over me. But it's changing the way that I even think about texting you as students. Instead of asking you, how can I pray for you? Just texting, I'm praying certain Bible passages over you today. Because your greatest need is not to ace your chem final greatest need is to be able to speak the gospel to the person who you sat next to for the last 15 weeks in that chem class that knows that you're a Christ follower that knows that you go to Crossway, that knows that you're involved in a college ministry so it's changing the way that I even think about praying for you and I hope and pray that it changes the way you think about praying for me that you would regularly be praying for And our small group leaders that we would lead out this way, that we would have a deep hunger, that together we would collectively pray. Because we're just burdened. That what is it? Twenty seven thousand students now at Missouri State. Eight nine thousand students at OTC. 33,000 students in the greater Springfield area, if you include Bolivar, that are college students. And that doesn't even include the people who are like being adults early and not going to school and getting a job and just doing what the Lord has called them to do right there. We're like, hey, like, it's cool. We got like 80 people here. Meanwhile, 32,000, three, 920 of them are on their way to an eternity separated from God. That has to press in on us, which leads us to the final thing. And that's clarity. Praying for clarity. Verse 4 says this. That I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. It says that I may make it clear as I ought to speak. I'm encouraged by this prayer? Because if you're anything like me when it comes to sharing the gospel, I get freaked out. I get freaked out that somebody's going to ask me a question that I don't know the answer to. That I might not know the right way to respond. That I would be embarrassed by something or I would say something stupid and just be made fun of or fall short of what enough that he would also have clarity of mind when he seeks to proclaim the true message of the gospel. I I, want to sympathize with every person in here who has ever felt inadequate when it comes to sharing the gospel. And just remind us all that we all know. this that we might remember what it means to follow Christ and that we get asked a difficult question that if we don't know the answer that we would be humble enough to say like I, I don't I don't know I was encouraged by that uh, I've watched some funny YouTube videos that are only funny to me and uh, probably really only funny to me I was reminded of this as Like, do you get nervous when you go on to Larry King Live or CNN or you're on Face the Nation and they ask you a question that you don't know the answer to? He said, no, not really, because honestly, I have the best answer. I don't know anything about that, but I do know this. And leads into a gospel presentation. None of us this week, I think, the fear of, unless there's something that I don't know, that we're going to have an appearance on Face the Nation or who knows what other (laughs) political TV talk show that we're all being invited to speak on. I know I'm certainly not invited to speak, maybe you are, but I'm praying that the Lord would You difficult things because it's like funny, it's like stump the Christian time at work. Maybe you don't experience that. I had that at some of the jobs that I would work at, not so much here anymore. Uh, they don't do that a lot here, um, thankfully. And I just want to encourage you maybe instead of being tripped up by all the different questions by the one guy at your To like put everybody down. Maybe this week your answer is I don't know anything about that, but I do know this: that you and I share something inherently in common. That we're both sinners, and we share that with everyone who works here. There's not one person in here who's a holy Joe or perfect or doesn't need Jesus Christ. And I do know this: that apart from Jesus and Him coming and living a perfect sinless life and being a perfect and sinless sacrifice for my sins I would spend eternity separated from God but God being rich in mercy and love towards you and me was willing to humble himself and become obedient to the cross and this weekend we actually celebrate that on a Friday to us, it is a good Friday because the sacrifice and the blood of bulls and goats is never sufficient. All those Old Testament sacrifices that you love to bring up, they were never sufficient. But the blood of Jesus Christ was. Not only because he was sinless, not only because he was perfect. And not only because he died. Because if that's all that there was to this man who you refer to as Jesus, but we know him as Jesus Christ. He was not just a man, because three days later, some women on the road to prepare and dress his body were greeted by an angel who said, first of all, don't be afraid, because that's going to help. He's not here. He's risen. Come see the place where the Lord lay. You see, Jesus wasn't just a man not just a good role model for us to follow he was the truly god and truly man and he gave his life a ransom that you and i might experience forgiveness of sin so yeah i don't know a whole lot about that but i do know this that you and i our greatest need is for jesus christ the perfect and sinless substitute i want to encourage us that we might pray this week that god would give us opportunities to speak of who he is that we would pray continually This week for each other and for our pastors and our staff and all the different people that are in leadership in our ministries, that we would all have opportunities, but that also we would have a clear mind.